I'm about to watch a movie with four of my favorite actors and two of my favorite people telling one of my favorite stories written by one of my favorite storytellers. And I'm really excited because it's so good. I I doubt it. Ah, ho, ho. Get it? Because the movie is called Down. I've never seen this movie, but I'm a big fan of Catholicism. So we'll see how it goes. Hello, listeners. <laughs> Sorry. Hello, listeners. My name is Mike. I'm Natalie. And I'm Nick. And this is our podcast, the Faith Based Podcast. It's our podcast where we talk about films and faith. On a podcast. Yeah, it's a podcast. Did you know this was a podcast? I love <laughs> podcast. Nick, what did we watch this week? This week we watched Doubt. A by... parable. No, it's not. <laughs> The movie is called Doubt. A Parable. Stop it. The play is called Doubt, A Parable. I don't think he's saying it's the title. I think he's saying it's a parable. It is the title of the play. No, yes, I know, but he's not exactly incorrect. I have copies for everyone. Doubt, A Parable. This week on the podcast, we're going to be reenacting Doubt. It is my name! I'm sorry. Nick, what did we watch this week? This week we watched Doubt by John... (laughs) Ask me again. What did did we watch in the podcast this week? We watched Doubt, directed by John Patrick Shanley, based on his play Doubt, a Parable. This movie is set in the 1960s in a Catholic church and school in the Bronx. And in it, we meet uh, Sister Aloysius Bovier, who's the principal of the school. And we also meet Father Flynn, who is the priest of the parish. And um, one of the nuns, who's a teacher, Sister James, goes to her to Sister Aloysius and tells her that she has observed some interesting behavior in Donald, who is a student in her class and also happens to be the only black student in the school. And this leads um, Sister Aloysius to suspect that uh, there is an inappropriate relationship between Father Flynn and this student. She confronts him and he denies this accusation, but um, she continues to interpret pieces of evidence um, as supporting her belief and ultimately she becomes certain that there's something going on here despite um, conversations that she has and people who are uh, Father Flynn denying it. And um, it tells the story of them navigating that tension and ultimately, at the end of the film, um, he resigns from his position. I have a question. What do you think is the appropriate length for fingernails? And how is it like a certain, like, is there a, some sort of benchmark that you can kind of claim, like, for, for you know, like, if, you're, if your fingers are this long, your nails can only be this long, or is it like a case-to-case basis? Like a finger-to-nail ratio? Yeah. What? Yeah. What's the answer there? I bite all my fingernails off Me too. because I'm anxious all the time. Oh, I just do it because I like how they taste. <laughs> <laughs> that but was I do, awful. I, do, I will admit this. When I see people who have nails that are like very trimmed, 
um, and clearly not chewed, but like cut. Mm, maintained. I assume that they look down upon me mm. and think that I must be filthy and disgusting An because my nails aren't perfectly trimmed or like clearly have been chewed. I'm very self-conscious about fingernails. And I think everyone is secretly. At some point, they're going to get chewed off. Like, if I could put my, like, reach my toes to my mouth, I would bite my toenails also. You can't reach your toes to your mouth? Do it. I don't know if I can. I used to be able to. Oh, I can. I can. I don't know if I can. Stop, stop, stop. Can I? Oh, yeah. Okay, all right. So what you can't see, listener, is that both... Mike and Nick just put their feet in their mouths. So did you! No, I just saw if I could reach! Can you not scream? I'm sorry. I just saw if I could reach, and I could, but I already knew that. I was showing off, but then... Well, we I... had my foot in my mouth there. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't really put <laughs> our foot in our mouths. We just foot. licked them. Oh, gosh. Okay, well... Mike just did. I'm not gonna do that. Alrighty. It hurt. I'm not very flexible, so I had to yank. You're no Elastigirl. I have a question. Can we stop doing that? So the thing that is uh, maybe the most interesting thing about this play, I guess, in terms of how like the plot works itself out, is that um, we never actually see or get hard evidence that any misconduct has or has not taken place. And it's all kind of just based on what people say is true. Because, like, the audience doesn't know what's true. Mm-hmm. We just hear how people are presenting information, and then from there we make decisions. I think that's, that's maybe a good place to start talking about this film, is that it seems to be kind of making arguments about certainty and doubt. I mean, it's called doubt, so there you go. But, like, more about how certainty and doubt inform how we relate to each other and how we perceive like other people in their actions mm-hmm. and like what's true yes nick this is like one of this is one of your favorite pieces of art which you said at the very beginning before we even started watching this film and i'm wondering if you can maybe say some more about that like why do you love it what is it about it that you love i love that it is presenting us with a with a really high stakes situation where I think what we are being, we as an audience are being asked to do is to recognize that we don't know what has happened. I like that we're presented with a character in Sister Aloysius who is certain that something has happened, but we never see it. We never get to see if whether or not something happened. And then I think the challenge at the end is do we walk away from that movie thinking the priest did something? Do we walk away from the movie thinking he didn't? Or is there another option? And I believe there is another option, which is you can walk away from the movie recognizing that you don't and can't know. I think if we apply that then to lots of other situations in life, we might be able to learn how to be more humble. I think that's a lesson that needs to be reinforced a lot is... It's really okay to, to admit or to embrace, maybe not admit, but to embrace that you don't know something for sure. And that doesn't mean that you can't 
have beliefs. Mm. I think that Sister Aloysius could have believed something was going on, but not have, but have been willing to be wrong. Well, and I think that's maybe why the stakes of this particular situation forced her to act in her mind based on the way that she believed. In her mind, but there are also other things that she's certain about that we see catch glimpses of that are not high stakes at all, like what kinds of pens are appropriate to use or how mm -hmm. much sugar you should take in your tea or whether or not the blinds should be open or closed. All of those are things that she is, she seems to be certain she has, the, she is thinking about these things or whether or not Frosty the Snowman is heretical. <laughs> Right. Like she's certain about these things mm -hmm. and makes her behaves based on them that way. And the stakes in those things are not as high. And so instead, as an audience, we look at those things and find her to be ridiculous. Yeah, but she yields. She doesn't think that someone should take sugar in their tea, but she doesn't keep him from doing it. You know, like she has her belief, but that doesn't like prompt her to take a specific action mm. for someone else, you know, like on someone else's behalf. Um, like she says that you shouldn't use ballpoint pens and so for the students, for the students, she, that's a rule that they can't use them. So she acts with the authority that she has, but she doesn't force the priest to not use a ballpoint pen just because she doesn't think he can. So the difference is so that in, in the situation with the stakes as high as, as they are, she's willing to step outside of the authority that she has or step yeah, beyond uh, the mm -hmm. authority that she has. Because of how strongly she believes a thing is either right or wrong, yeah. I, I would say. I think those other things are examples of like how she's deciding how much authority to like use. I think she has an interesting relationship with God and like with her duty. Um, so she's a nun, so she obviously holds certain beliefs about God. She is very she um, she feels very strongly about the rules. Uh, she, like the first thing we ever see her do is telling stu or well, smacking students in the head to get them to stop talking during, uh, <laughs> mass. And so she's very particular about like getting students to behave in, in certain ways, in the right ways, quote unquote. Hmm. Um, and I think what's interesting is maybe we can talk about this, these two lines that are said and said one way at the beginning of the film and said in a very altered form at the end of the film. And the first line that she says towards the beginning when she's first starting to have her suspicions about Father Flynn is she says that addressing wrongdoing is a step away from God. And then later at the end of the film she says in the pursuit of wrongdoing one steps away from God. And it seems, I just thought that was a very interesting, like the first one caught me off guard because she said addressing wrongdoing is a step away from God. That seems odd. Um, whereas... But in his service, I think she also clarifies. In the first one. Right, yeah. Yes, but it just is still, I think, an odd thing to say that doing something in God's service can be a move away from him. Yeah, I, um, one of the ways I was thinking about that line, watching this this time, I was thinking that, um, 
I was thinking of a way in which that actually is true, which is if you think of things um, directionally, like if God is righteous and wrongdoing is unrighteous, if you want to like address the wrongdoing, you have to move toward the wrongdoing, which means you have to move away. You're moving away from righteousness toward the wrongdoing and in his service, sort of like the image I had in my mind is like a chessboard. The pawn has to move toward the other side mm-hmm. to get there. Right. And so in that way, I think there's truth there. And that's where I think then the shift in the text, of like in the pursuit of wrongdoing, one steps away from God. I think yeah. there's also a way of thinking of that as like, are you also... She says the second, the second time she says it at the end of the film, it's after admitting that she has sinned. She has lied very like openly and willingly. Like she says, yes, I lied. And when Sister James says, how could you lie? She says, in the pursuit of wrongdoing, one steps away from God, but at a price. I'd be curious what you guys think is the price that she means there when she says, yes, I lied. And that's what I had to do in the pursuit of like that of wrongdoing. Do you think she's talking about herself or is she talking about Father Flynn? When she says in the pursuit of wrongdoing, does she mean in my pursuit of the wrongdoer or does she mean in father in her perception of Father Flynn's pursuit of doing wrong things? Someone stepped away from God and at a price. Um, that's what I took it to be. That she's talking about someone pursue like choosing to pursue something that's wrong and like behave like doing the wrong thing, not like to catch a wrongdoer. Whereas like at the beginning, addressing wrongdoing seems like that's someone like a like you know trying to stop someone from doing wrong. I remember in her in the conversation with Father Flynn where they they kind of it's when they're in the office just by themselves and he kind of confronts her about talking about calling in Mrs. Miller and she makes a statement about how far she's willing to go to get the truth revealed and she says something about like I'll be damned to hell or something like that where it it seems like what she's saying is she's not going the the route that the Catholic Church has set up in terms of when confronting wrongdoing. You're supposed to go to, like, your superior. You're not supposed to go to another nun from a different parish, things like that. And she kind of is making a statement like she, like the truth being revealed is more important to her than the actual system in the church. It doesn't seem like she has much faith in the church mm. as a system. She's not going to the, she's not like telling this information to, who is she supposed to go to? Like the Monsignor or the Bishop or something? Yeah. I'm not sure how things work in the Catholic Church. But she doesn't really have faith in that system. However, she very, very strongly believes that there is a right thing to do and that is to find the truth and to like act on it in the best interest of the child which is I I mean that's very theologically sound is that you know we're to protect people who need to be protected and that includes children and people who 
anyone who needs help. And so she has that very strong like moral conviction. But what she's, it seems like what, she, what she's actually stepping away from is the church. She's kind of compromising her status in the, the chain of command. Hierarchy? The, yeah. She's, that's, that's, I think, at risk through what she's doing because she's not following the protocol for who to go to and when and, and those kinds of things. So it doesn't, I'm wondering if when she's saying a step away from God, when I hear her say that and look at her actions, it seems like what she's saying is in the pursuit of wrongdoing, one might have to step away from the church, which she very clearly says when they're arguing. She says, like, I'm willing to go outside the church. But I don't know. Those are just, that was something that I found interesting. It's her perspective on, like, what is right versus what the church wants her to do. Yeah, but there's also the way of reading the line, the way, Mike, I think you were reading it, which is mm-hmm. that she's talking about Father Flynn, who moved, who pursued wrongdoing. She wasn't, you could read she it as also. She wasn't talking about herself. She wasn't talking about herself. Yeah. Which I'm not sure. I, I, the thing that comes immediately before that is Sister James says, I can't believe you lied. And then her response, it's, Sister James says, I can't believe you lied. And Sister Aloysius' immediate response is, in the pursuit of wrongdoing, one steps away from God. There's probably, I mean, the reality is it's there's ambiguity. Mm-hmm. It's probably just a well-crafted line that has both meanings in it. Mm-hmm. I think, Natalie, what you're talking about, though, is that Sister Aloysius uh, very much likes the rules. She seems to. She, she like well, for the most part, she yeah. really, really loves the rules. But there are a couple instances where she seems willing to lie or to violate the rules and and one of them is um, her dishonesty about sister veronica who is the older nun who is going blind and she says we need to protect her because if they find out they meaning like the monsignor and the priests if they find out that that she's going blind they're blind they're going to get rid of her and we need to keep her here and she she cares for her. I mean, there are a couple moments where she, at dinner, she helps. She, you can tell Veronica can't Sister Veronica can't find her fork, mm-hmm. and she sort of just like quietly slides it over to her. And there are other moments that she helps her. And that's uh, I mean, and then she's very directly asked by Father Flynn, Sister Veronica's going blind, isn't she? And her response is like, "Nuns fall. No, yeah, she's fine." Which is dishonest. Yeah. I think that she does not demonstrate much compassion at all, except for for Sister Veronica. And I'm wondering if actually maybe that has something to do with the fact, like, not just that Sister Veronica is vulnerable, but because, like, blindness is the thing specifically that's, like, happening to her. And Sister Aloysius wears glasses, right? Mm-hmm. So I think those, like... That kind of works to say that Sister Aloysius, I think, is very concerned with, like, seeing a thing as clearly as possible. And I think that one of the ways that this story is, like, kind of demonstrating that is that she's her, the only time she's, like, really kind at all to anyone is to Sister Veronica, it seems. And she tries to be kind to the mother, I think, um, 
but then once she, because she doesn't think that the mother understands, like what's Donald's mother, this vulnerable student, she she doesn't think that the mother really knows what's going on, so she's kind of like blind to the situation. But then when she starts to realize that Donald's mother, Mrs. Miller, actually does know what's going on, or at least what could be going on, and knows even more than Sister Aloysius does, Sister Aloysius starts to be concerned that this mother is maybe even an unfit mother or not doing the thing that's best for her child. She's concerned about seeing a thing as clearly as possible and then through that clarity making like the most virtuous like decisions. I think she has a lot of compassion. It's just displayed very harshly. I think you're right. The only time it's very clear is with um, Sister Veronica. Is that her name? And I think that's like the demonstration of it. But I think she's, I mean, she's very compassionate. You can tell she's she's looking out for Donald. I don't know, it's interesting. There are different levels of compassion and like how it's demonstrated through the different characters. Like Sister James, she's very clear about her kindness and her and 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 wanting what's best for her students. However, when faced with potential adversity in sticking up for her students, she kind of surrenders all suspicion because she initially she's the one who said who had concerns about Donald and then took it to Sister Aloysius and and then when Father Flynn kind of got angry, she was willing to accept the first explanation he gave. I mean, in the possibility that something awful was happening to Donald that was not loving to him to say, like, okay, I'm not going to pursue this anymore. I'm just going to trust. Like, if Sister Aloysius seemed to be very, very concerned about the well-being of Donald to the point where she wasn't going to just kind of let him get away with the first excuse he gave. But that also it gets a little bit more complicated because Sister James accused Sister Aloysius of just kind of being biased against Father Flynn, which isn't right. However, I do think that there is a unique level of, or an impressive level of compassion to the fact that she just, she, she was not satisfied until she felt like she could very confidently say that that child was safe from him, which I think is, I mean, I, I just I just think she's a very admirable character. I think that, she, yeah, I, I would agree with you, Natalie. I think that she is a compassionate character in that she is a, a, a loving character who wants what's best for people that she's responsible for or accountable, responsible for. And the way that she believes to it, it is right to love the students that she's the principal over is to teach them right from wrong and to keep them from making choices that are bad for them and she is she is unrelenting in that she will not she will not ignore a student doing something wrong whether that be William London touching sister James to get her attention whether it be Noreen Horan wearing a barrette, <laughs> whether it be um, any number of things, she's going to address it, and they're afraid of her because of that. Um, but I think in her mind, 
that's what her job is. She knows that the kids are afraid of her and she doesn't really care if they like her or not because she wants what she believes is best for them. Well, and that's, I think, what I mean is that like she can be a strong and good advocate and not be compassionate. And I, I really just don't, I, I, the way that I understand compassion, I don't see her being compassionate towards these students. Like even towards Donald, I don't, I don't necessarily think that the way that she advocates for him is out of compassion. And I think that part of it is like she doesn't like the priest. And so she kind of, that's, I mean, that's kind of what gets the ball rolling, I think, in some ways about like her jumping to this conclusion that he has done something improper. But she doesn't have any sort of, from my perspective, like relationship with Donald. She, she recognizes his need to be supported and cared for as a student and specifically as the only black student in the school. But I think like her sense of right and wrong is motivated by her, her love for what's right and wrong unless, I guess maybe that's just the way that I understand compassion is that I just don't, I don't see that in her character in how she relates to the students. But I do see it in how she relates to Sister Veronica. So I'm not saying she's not a compassionate person. I just think that's not what's like her primary motivation for doing the right thing with the Donald's situation. Do you think that the way that she, the drastic difference in how she treats Sister Veronica versus how she treats every other character in the, in the story might also have to do with her seeing her own future. Like Sister Veronica is how she may be in the future, meaning she might lose some of her sight. And that's the thing, Mike, that you were saying. She she relies so heavily on what she sees. Yeah. She she's watching things all the time and responding and maybe there's fear yeah. in in the idea that one day my eyes will be even worse than they are now and and I want I would want somebody to take care of me. At that point, I can't take care of myself anymore, and I would need somebody to take care of me. Because it is a really drastic difference, the mm-hmm. way that she mm-hmm. cares for Ver- Sister Veronica versus how she... Like, gently shows her where her fork is, and that's just one example. I think there's something else that she does. Well, she just sort of swiftly goes to her care yeah. when, when she falls and tea. hurts herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I have a question. What do you guys... Um, think of Mrs. Miller, Donald's mom, and how she responds to what Sister Aloysius tells her. At first, she doesn't really seem to understand what is being said. Um, But then it becomes clear that she does understand. She's just choosing to kind of ignore the reality. That's what it seems like. And uh, it seems like her life situation is one that I can't understand and so like my gut reaction I guess is that like she's not caring well for her child maybe that is true but it's also I think impossible to say that without really understanding like all of the decisions that she's making she says she needs to keep her son in the school till June because it's a better school and then when he's in high school, he won't have these issues that he's currently having, social, whatever kinds of issues. Not just that, like, this priest might be taking advantage of him. Yeah, I don't, I guess that doesn't really answer the question, just kind of, like, explains the situation more, but... It seems like what, from the things she says, it seems like the feeling that she has, or the 
the difficulty she's experiencing with this being brought up to her is you're asking me to decide between like joining you in trying to stop this priest from potentially doing something wrong with my son. Like that sounds like, and it's like she says, like that sounds like that could be what's happening. He, he has his reasons for being nice to my kid. I think that that might be the way my kid is, like that he might be interested. I think the implication there is that my son might be interested in men. And so all of that seems, she's like she's acknowledging all of that seems possible and even plausible, maybe even likely. But you're asking me to like do that, and in my, from Mrs. Miller's perspective, I'm risking then my son graduating from this school. And it seems like for her, it's either address the possibility of sexual abuse or compromise my son's chance future. at a future mm-hmm. that is better than the one he lives in where his father beats him and we live in poverty. Like, which of these two is more important to me as a mom? And she says, for me, when I look at this situation, this pre- if, this, if this priest is abusing my son, it's just till June. But if he's not, and I get kicked out of this school, that's for his whole life. Hmm. Which of course doesn't, we know that like abuse has lasting effects forever. So sure, there's a failing there, but she doesn't really seem, what she ends up saying is I'm going to be standing by my son and those who are good with my son. And so for her, yeah, it seems like she's saying at least he's good to him and gives him some attention and is like loves him. And like we, I think Mike, this is maybe what you mean, like we can't relate to that kind of, we don't live in worlds where there's no other option available for, like if I was a parent, I don't live in a world where there's only two options of like paternal figures in the lives of my child. And it might not even be the, like, the gender might not even be a factor. Like, it's just someone who's nice to her son, too. Mm. I mean, I think that, like, the paternal nature of that relationship is a factor because... Yeah. I mean, that's why we know stuff about his dad. It's, and she says she, he yeah. needs some man to care about him. Sure, yeah. But I think just also in general, he just needs people to care yes. about him, too. So, like, that's in addition to what you were saying. Yeah. Do you think there's a place for certainty? I think it's hard to have certainty. What do you so, think is required for it? Or what do you think is required to be permitted to have certainty or to like have true certainty? I mean, if certainty is what we're defining as like 100% confidence, then I don't, I don't know that there is a place for it. I think what we often call certainty is like this great trust that we have in all the available evidence. And so it's just like, it's a spec, like certainty is a spectrum based on how much evidence that you have. And I don't think it's, it's actually, I don't think it's actually possible to be completely certain about anything. Yeah, Father Flynn says, even if you feel certainty, it is an emotion and not a fact. Yeah. And I, I agree with Father Flynn yeah. in that I mean, assessment. I think we there's can... some things that we can be certain about that are low stakes. That like, like you have a water bottle in your desk right now, and I'm certain it's orange. You know, like 
no one's going to disagree with me on that. But, you know, th there are other things that we don't have as much evidence for. Like, all the evidence is that I've seen the color orange. I know, like, all the ways that orange behaves. And then I'm trusting that my eyes are telling me in the light that we have in this room that that water bottle is orange. And there's so much evidence to lead me to that fact that I can say it for certain. But I, I don't know if I actually know that that, like, that's maybe not even true, you know. But you've oh. also seen optical illusions. Yeah, where something was where... one color. That, like that stupid dress thing from like years <laughs> ago on the internet. Yeah, so it's like possible, and part of it is you've seen my water bottle before in different lights, right, and I've yeah. carried it around, so, and so much you're evidence. assuming this is the same water bottle, but I think you'd also be willing to say, you'd be willing to leave the door open for maybe I'm pulling a fast one on you, and I've switched out my water bottle and set up the lights in such a way that this is a green water bottle that now looks orange right now. Sure, yeah. So all so the available cares? evidence, yeah, the, the stakes are so low, and the evidence is so... Like, overwhelming. overwhelming that I can say for certain that that water bottle is orange. But on the flip side, with the situation in this film, the stakes are so high. And the evidence is very circumstantial and very, like, spare. That having certainty about a thing like that is... I mean... I don't think that you can have certainty. I mean, she thinks that what she's experiencing is certainty. And then well, he says that's emotion. she does experience certainty. And I think even right, in yeah. terms of my water bottle, the, your certainty there is a, still an emotion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's what you believe but to I be But I think, true. like, I could be wrong. She could be wrong. Yes. So then is, is she, like, yes, she is certain, I guess. Is it wrong for her to be certain about that? For her to be so strong in how she responds to that certainty? Is it wrong for her to feel certainty? Or should she be fighting her certainty in the pursuit of more evidence? Like, should she actually have placed that call that she lied about? Hmm. Should she... I don't know. I mean, she talks to Donald's mother, and that gives her more evidence. And I think that's maybe the strong... I mean, the evidence that Sister James presents is what sends her on that crusade in the first place. But I think the evidence that Donald's mother presents in the way that she kind of lets things slip towards the end of their conversation together seems to be pointing in a more more in the direction that there might be something wrong happening. Yeah. How do you think that she should have responded differently? That's the th question I was just wondering or thinking through. Like, I, I was just thinking through, like, Sister Aloysius could have handled the situation very differently. And, like, after confronting him with her suspicions, she could have still felt the certainty she was feeling that something was wrong. But if, if, her, if her concern is that she thinks this priest is doing something wrong, then, then set up, like, ways to protect him and be more vigilant and collect more evidence rather than just acting on the certainty you feel rather than the evidence you've collected, yeah, right? She made a decision about how she thought, like, whether she thought he was guilty or not in the first, like, you know, minute, two minutes of hearing that something might be wrong. Whereas, like, Sister James withholds judgment, kind of weighs more things, and she's a more, like, trusting... Naive, Yeah, naive, yeah, that's a good word. Individual, anyway, in other situations, too. I mean, you see that in the, like, classroom management example. Mm-hmm. I think that 
she's like the foil for how to respond. Like she trusts and then she gathers what evidence she can. Well, first she suspects, then she gathers what evidence she can and then she makes a decision and she believes that he's innocent. Um, but then even after she makes the decision that she, like she says to him after they have that conversation on the park bench, Sister James says, I, I don't believe you did it. But then later she sees Father Flynn in the hallway interacting with Donald and she is kind of like, thinks that something might be weird about their relationship just because of the way they like physically interact with each other. Mm -hmm. I mean, Father Flynn is very tender in the hallway because Donald has just been bullied. Um, and so I think it's hard to like read that situation and say like, oh, he's being that way because they have an inappropriate relationship or he's being that way because he's trying to comfort the student. Yeah, it's interesting. Only in the context of the story we've been watching, mm -hmm. do you, I think, would you read what he does in the hallway as potentially gross or inappropriate? Yeah. I think most of the time if we saw a kid, the only black kid in a school, get bullied and like be sad and then like a person in authority come up to them and help them pick up their papers and give them a hug and say it's going to be okay i think most of the time we would read that as like wow that's the right what thing a compassionate to do. and loving person but now we're suspicious about it yeah it's been colored by suspicion she sees the world suspiciously now mm -hmm. it's interesting so yeah i don't know what the like what the proper like place for certainty certainty is Perhaps it is like viewing it as an emotion and not as yeah. like certainty well, is a feeling that we experience based on a belief we hold. And I think that's maybe the difference like that, like maybe it's, I think it is wrong to say that certainty and doubt are two ends of a spectrum and that doubt is the, is evil and that certainty is good. Or vice versa. Yeah, right. I think that is, like, I mean, Sister Alo Aloysius at the end even admits that she has doubts, so she seems certain about everything the whole movie. And then she finally admits that she actually does have doubts. And I think that even what, like, I mean, one of the lessons that Sister James gives is on, is on FDR, and she brings up the quote, like, the only thing to fear is fear itself. And I think, like, fear is a part of that, too. Like, fear is what motivates us towards, like, doubt and certainty. And um, I think that we actually have to deal with the fears that we have. We don't have to deal with our feelings of certainty or our feelings of doubt. It's, if we deal with those fears, then we can live with, like, a healthy balance of certainty and doubt. And maybe both, yeah, and maybe we can experience both of those things at the same time. Yeah. Maybe certainty and doubt aren't. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what Christian faith is. Hmm. You know, like it's being faith. certain of what we hope for, or what's the, yeah, certain. faith is certain of what we hope, what? No. <laughs> sure of what we hope for. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So we doubt that these things are true, but, you know, we may have, we may experience doubts that the things we believe are true. Like, we may doubt that, like, a virgin can conceive and give birth. We may doubt that like one being can exist in three persons. We may doubt that somebody can rise from the dead and also like cover all of the sins of humanity. But the, I mean, but we also believe that those things are true. Like we're also living with a certainty that they're true, but it's a certainty that's like colored by doubt. So it's like, yeah, it's a balance between those two things. It's not one or the other. Yeah, And faith becomes like a non-existent thing if we have 
if certainty isn't an emotion, but certainty is a fact, mm. faith becomes irrelevant. Yeah, exactly. It's not faith is not a thing. It's interesting. Now is a time in our podcast where we're going to consult with um, some other Christian perspectives, and we do this by uh, looking at the plugged in online movie review. This one was written by Bob Hoos. <laughs> Spiritual content. Several scenes show the parish priest preaching. The children's choir sings hymns. After Sister Aloysius levels her accusations at Father Flynn, he sits and opens his Bible. Sexual content. The nuns briefly discuss a potential problem involving a female student whom they fear is a bit boy crazy. A student touches Sister James' shoulder to get her attention and Sister Aloysius scolds him. Violent content. During a church service, Sister Aloysius smacks a whispering youth's head. Other negative elements. Sister James says to her superior, the students are all uniformly terrified of you. Sister Aloysius replies, yes, that's how it works. And now, the conclusion of Bob Hoos's review. Theatrical plays tend to be much more about words and ideas than high-flying, blow-up-the-world action, so they rarely make an impressive transition to today's big screens. But on occasion, a particularly provocative play makes the jump and brings with it a concise storyline and a crispness of language that is almost startling to the average movie fan. The Pulitzer Prize and Tony Award-winning Doubt is such a play, and such a movie. Meryl Streep puts on the black-and-white habit of the austere, resolute, and thickly-brogued Sister Aloysius, and is, quite simply, brilliant. With her character at the forefront and the play's author, John Patrick Shanley, in the director's chair, Doubt seemingly accomplishes exactly what it sets out to do. It raises lots of hard-hitting questions in an involving, intimate drama. Then it turns and walks away. One thing that did not change from stage to screen is that the audience still lands on the sidewalk after, afterward with a head full of questions and no certitude from the writer-director, reported New York Times columnist David Carr. This is a story about a Catholic priest's sinful failings. It is the tale of horrifying accusations hurled at a caring mentor. It is an examination of nuns evolving feelings about faith, hope, and guilt. It illustrates the fallen nature of man and his desperate need for redemption, and it sneers at the faults of organized religion. It is and does all of these things at once, and then, as I've already said, it turns and walks away without so much as a fare thee well. Let me put it to you this way. You never know what's going on in somebody else's head. You never know what's going on in somebody else's heart, Shanley told The Hollywood Interview. A lot of time is spent coming up with a conclusion in this story, but it's like life. You don't get to know for sure what really happened. You don't get to know for certain. So Shanley has crafted a cinematic optical illusion that dares you to question what you think you know, to tilt your head, squint your eyes, and mull over what you've seen and what you haven't, what you believe, what you doubt. This is not about the Catholic Church, Streep said in a Newsblaze.com interview. It's about who thinks they can control evildoers with force and a firm hand. And yet it is about the Catholic Church, as it is about other things that aren't so apparent. The title doubt really has the power for me, not the Catholic Church scandals, Shanley told Broadway.com. 
And so yes, I meant that to be implied in a variety of ways as a powerful and useful tool to answer something in the culture, whether it was the invasion of Iraq and the certainty that there was, that, that was the right thing to do, or people in the Democratic and Republic, Republican parties who year in and year out show up like convicts chained together, having the exact same positions on everything. They're just chained to it. I don't think that that's thinking. And that's what functioning, effective members of a culture do. Say, look, I have doubts, and that's a good thing. You should have doubts too, and if you don't, you're a hammer-headed clown. Politics, culture, religion, individual faith, doubt is, in the end, about exactly what it seems. But that doesn't mean it's predictable. I'd like to attack the notion that movies are about certainty, Shanley said in the New York Times, about affirming a political profile and validating what people already believe. I feel like he's able to recognize when a movie is good, but he's always surprised that movies can be good when he encounters one. Do you mean Bob Hoos? Yes. He begins this by saying, like, please tend to not make the best blow-up-the-world action movies. So it's wild when they're good. It's kind of the vibe <laughs> I get from that first paragraph. But it's funny. I think, um, I mean, a, lo a lot of what he's saying aligns with some of the things we've talked about. One of the places where I would maybe want to ask him some more questions is when he says, he kind of repeatedly emphasizes that the movie turns and walks away hmm. from the questions that hmm. it's posing. And I think maybe what, I think what he means, I would want to ask him, but I think what he means is that it doesn't answer the questions. Which that it's is, posing? Yeah, I mean, that's the whole point. It doesn't give us certainty about the answers to the questions that it's posing. I'm wondering if he thinks that it doesn't give any answers to anything. Mm. And, and I think that the fact that it's posing questions, I would say it's not really posing questions. I would say it's posing situations and only giving you some of the information about them. It's not making you... A lot of movies and a lot of stories make the audience God. We get to see everything. Mm -hmm. And so we will see things from multiple characters' perspectives. Mm -hmm. But doubt doesn't let us do that. It only gives us a human perspective on a story. We only get to see... Parts of what's happening. Yeah. And so... Circumstantial evidence. Yeah. Yes, it raises questions, but I don't think it raises questions and doesn't answer them. I think it the questions that are raised are the natural questions that are raised when we experience a thing or experience life, which is what he, when he quotes, I think it's Shanley. No, it's when, yeah, when he quotes Shanley, he's talking about like, Shanley is talking about how like, that's what life is like. You don't get to, you don't always get the answers to things. Yeah. Bob Hoos does seem to recognize the value in a story that doesn't give all of them. Like, he doesn't just say, because this movie doesn't tell me if he did it or not, then I'm, it's not worth watching. Or it's dangerous. He doesn't say yeah, it's Yeah, he doesn't say yeah. it's dangerous to not resolve those big questions about what's right and wrong in the story. He seems to recognize the good in the uncertainty, even as he wants certainty. I am that. surprised yeah. that in his review he says, this is a story about a Catholic priest's sinful failings. Yeah, he seems to have his... He seems to have a perspective on what right. has happened. Well, I thought after that he says, 
Oh, it's the a tale next of sentence. horrifying accusations hurled at a caring mentor. So I think what he's saying is mm. these are all the things that it could be about. Mm. And we don't really yeah, know. Yeah, that's that's good. Maybe I just maybe I would prefer if there was a different topic sentence for that paragraph. That makes yeah. sense. That like helps me know he's it about to set up different when perspectives. When I first heard you read that, because I was like, oh. Or even to say this could be a story about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or it could be a, a tale of. Yeah. But maybe it's also true to say it is both of those things because we don't get to know which it is. Well, what do we think that this movie, like, what do we think that, um, not just about whether or not this man is guilty of what Sister Aloysius is accusing him of, but what what do we think that John Patrick Shanley, that the filmmaker is trying to tell us about the world? I think the film argues that, that, that we should pursue, like, fixing a situation kind of no matter the cost. Like, that is something that should be relentlessly pursued. I think the argument is that we, by our nature, are too quick to certainty. That there's a lot to be gained from admitting that we don't know for sure. And that it's okay to hold on to a belief passionately, but you should always be willing to to find or discover that you're wrong because it, what's better than believing something is believing the thing that's true. And it is possible that the thing you're currently believing isn't true and we should want to be able to have our minds changed. Like what you were just saying, Nick, about being uh, less uh, quick to claim certainty and more willing to say, um, I feel that all of these pieces of evidence are leading me in this direction, but what am I not considering? Which perspective have I left out? What am I wrong about? Because I know that I've been wrong about I've been wrong before. What am I wrong about right now? Which which um, like bit of evidence do I need to be more certain? And how can I learn that? And also at the same time, what level of doubt is like healthy? And like what what about this situation have I not considered that is keeping me from making like an accurate assessment of what's happening? I think our desire for certainty flows from the way that we bear God's image. I think that we desire truth because one, we desire ultimately God because he is truth. But also I think we want to be God because that is like the image that we bear Mm -hmm. in some ways. But the problem is when we let ourselves become God or we let ourselves think think of ourselves as God because God is the only one who actually has access to all the information and is the only being that can see everything and can actually experience certainty as something more than an emotion but as a fact Mm -hmm. and so when we grasped too tightly to the emotion of certainty and let ourselves believe that the certainty we feel is is truth itself we put ourselves in the place of god Bechtel Test was created by Alison Bechtel and for a film to pass the Bechtel Test, it has to meet three requirements. The first one is that a film must have two female characters that are named. Um, the second requirement is that these two named female characters have to have a conversation with each other. 
And the third requirement is that the conversation, that the, that the women talk about something that's not a man. So. Does doubt pass the Bechtel test? It actually does, which is very, very exciting. Yeah. Slimly. I mean, most, I would say, like, most of the conversations are about Father Flynn or about Donald. But yeah. there but are some others. But they do have others. a great conversation about ballpoint pens, which are not men. So. And about candy. Oh, yes. They talk about classroom management. Yeah. Windows and wind. Noreen Haram. Well, but Noreen Haram wants Just the talks boys. About boys. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you guys so much for listening, if you're out there and exist. Um, we'd love it if you would check out our website. It's called faithbasedpodcast.com. On the website, there are links to previous episodes. Um, there's a place where you can interact with us or other listeners about uh, some of the things we talk about on the podcast. And there's also a... Um, place where you can uh, give us suggestions about movies that you'd like us to talk about some other time. So yeah, check that out. It's faithbasedpodcast.com. Also, rate and review us on iTunes if you haven't already. We'd appreciate it. And now, this is Nick signing off, saying, remember, cough drops are candy by another name. <laughs>